All right, good morning. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. Let me down a little bit. We have to get some feedback. 1 Peter chapter 3. Started this message last week, uh, the transparency factor, talking about uh, sharing our story. And uh, I know we've got a lot of people. Take me down just a little bit more. Will you please? I'm echoing back. Uh, I know we have a lot of people. I'm trying to get myself centered here. So good balance. Um, who are fairly new, last several months of the church. And uh, our, our philosophy of ministry here uh, is relationships build churches. And uh, what that means, I mean, we will get into it more when we have conversations, but is that we welcome everybody here at New Life. Everybody is welcome. There's, there's, not, a, uh, there's not a person that is not welcome to be in our church. Uh, because we believe everybody uh, has value. We believe that everybody has a purpose. And we believe that God has a place. If he leads you here, he's got a place of service and ministry for you. Uh, I personally don't care uh, what your background is, what your, what, what your history is. What I care about is uh, what do you want to do now and moving forward for Jesus Christ? That's what it's all about. What do you want to do? Are you, are you wanting to be plugged in and be faithful in a church? Because that's what we're about here. Um, one thing that I, I forgot to have Aaron mention, uh, Easter Sunday, we're going to be having baptism. So if you are uh, wanting to be baptized, uh, we will, you can come and talk to me and we'll get you set up, make sure that everything's in line for you to be baptized. We believe that baptism comes after salvation. We don't baptize infants or anything like that. <laughs> But baptism comes after salvation. So if you are interested in baptism, want to talk to me about it, come and talk to me. We already have one candidate. Um, and one thing that happened last Sunday uh, after services, we had the voting members stay around. We had one last item of business to take care of from our uh, annual business meeting. And that was um, the way we receive members into our church. We are going to be starting a new members class. I believe it's going to be an outstanding way to help you understand where we're coming from, the his, some of the history of our church and what we stand for and what we believe. And uh, uh, it's not, you know, you're not going to have to do a blood oath and all that kind of stuff. But um, before, uh, before we agree on membership, uh, we want to sit down and have a conversation. And uh, I'll be letting you know what the date is of the first membership class. And uh, even if you are a longtime member of New Life, if you're already in, uh, you're more than welcome to come to that class because there's a lot of things you find out that you didn't know about your church. Um, when you sit down and talk um, to the guy who uh, kind of runs the church. So um, we'll be letting you know some more information about that. Uh, I thought the, the worship set was perfect for today. There was so much the worship set and, and the, the video that was played really speaks a lot to our personal walk and our personal life and where we are with Jesus. Uh, really, if you're going to be a testimony, if you're going to be a witness, if you're going to shine your light, as the old song says, to a world that needs to see Jesus, um, you really need to know how you got here from where you were and what you are going to do going forward and what your desire is, what the Bible says, what Jesus says to you. You need to know about your life and you need to know your story. And that brings us to this morning, our message, uh, the second half of the transparency factor. It's the fourth and final factor that prepares us to fill the great commission. Transparency, the ability to be a real person and to share your real life and real experiences, especially in the light of your faith. That's what's most important. We are not a support group. Understand that. We are not a support group. I, I, uh, we, we, our church hosts a support group for foster and adoptive parents. And uh, so I think many of us have been to support groups for whatever thing. We're not a support group at New Life. We have elements of what a support group will offer, but our church revolves around our faith. It doesn't just revolve around our experiences. It revolves around our experiences and our life and our history, where, we, where we've come from, where we're going in light of our faith. And that's what being transparent as a Christian is all about. Uh, to, be, to give praise to God for the blessings in your life and to shine a light of, of hope 
to others in need of Jesus. Our text is 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. But in your hearts, regard Christ the Lord as holy, ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. You do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that when you are accused, those who disparage your good conduct in Christ will be put to shame. I said this last week, and I'll reiterate it. I believe transparency is the most difficult of the four factors to incorporate into your life as a believer. We talked about accountability, reliability, and sustainability. Those are not easy factors to put into play in our lives, and I'm not minimizing them at all. But what I said last week was this. Those three factors of the Great Commission that apply to your life, you can put those into practice in your life without ever leaving the walls of the church or without ever, leave, ever talking to somebody outside of your faith. Transparency, the transparent part of the Great Commission for you as an individual, in and of itself means that you need to talk with people who don't know Jesus. That you need to live in front of people that don't know Jesus. That you need to be open and willing to share your faith and to talk about your faith and talk about who you are and what your faith has done for you. It requires vulnerability. By its very definition, it requires contact with other human beings. To be transparent as a Christian means that you don't conceal or hide your story, that your life and faith are out there for everyone to see, examine, and question. Why is it so difficult? Well, do you, do you see why it's so difficult? Because we put ourselves out there. Many, many times, and, and most of us, or many of us, in many situations live life very guarded. We don't want to let people in. We don't want to let people get too close unless we really feel like we can trust them. Transparency as a Christian means that we open ourselves up to others. Understand this, though, that transparency doesn't mean that everybody knows your business, and that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about living your life on Facebook, right? I said that last week. I'm not talking about living your life out on Facebook. In fact, Many people today could stand to live a little bit less of life on Facebook. In, just in my old man's opinion. <laughs> okay? Um, but it means that you are open with your faith and your life and how it has helped and affected you. Doesn't mean, it means that you don't live a lie. It means that your motivations and actions are true to your purpose and character as a believer that you are an open book. Remember this quote, we've used it a couple times, used it last week, only God can turn a mess into a message, a test into a testimony, a trial into a triumph, and a victim into a victory. Now we started, covered the first two points of this message last week, and gave a, it was a little bit of background build up to what we're going to be talking today, because today is really the meat of where we come in. The first point was this, Jesus was transparent. Jesus was transparent about his purpose. He was transparent about who he was. Jesus put it out there for everybody. There are those who say that Jesus didn't claim certain things, that Jesus uh, tried to hide. And I've, I've heard, man, I've, I've talked to uh, Christians who say Jesus was, was, he tried to hide who he was. He never did. Jesus was very open about who he was and what he was here for, what his purpose was. He was clear about his past, where he had come from. He was clear about his purpose, and he wore his feelings on his sleeve. The second thing we saw, the second point, was that everyone has a story. Everybody has a story. We all have a story. Whether you like your story or not, you still have a story. Your task in the Great Commission is to be able to tell your story effectively without fear or shame. Used as a verse, as a proof text for this, Acts chapter 4, verses 19 and 20. Peter and John answered them, whether it's right in the sight of God for us to listen to you, rather than God, you decide. For us, for we are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. Doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. It doesn't matter. Honestly, this is where, as Christians, we, if, if we were ever to have a law in our country, that tried to uh, quiet our faith and stop us from speaking, this is where we would have biblical grounds to stand against that law. Right. You know, the Bible tells us clearly, um, 
Whether you like it or not, the Bible tells us to be good citizens to pay our taxes. The Bible tells us to obey the laws of the land. Those are very clear. And you do not run afoul of your faith. You don't, you don't, uh, you're not breaking any commandments from the Bible by obeying the lawful laws of the land. But when it crosses a line and gets into your faith, and where your faith and the, where your, where the Bible and the law collide, we are called to obey the word of God. And if there are consequences, we, we take the consequences. But that's what it is. Uh, that's, that's how the Bible teaches us. Your story may have been a long, hard road, but it's your story. You're here now, so you might as well make it count. It's that story of how you came to Jesus. It's a story about how he has changed your life. Bring, brings us to point number three. We talk about this, and if I were to, if I were to have people raise your hands and how many, uh, the, the, uh, if I were to ask the question, have you raise your hands and answer, how many of you just love being transparent with people about your past and about your history and about all the things that have happened to you in your life? There are some that will be. There are some people that, that don't mind it at all. But being transparent can be intimidating. Being transparent can be very intimidating. Why? Because you are opening yourself up to other people. And let's be honest, one of the reasons we, we feel like we're opening ourselves up to, every, to someone else's judgment and opinion, right? If I'm going to tell you where my life has come from, who I am, what I believe, even when, he, when it comes down to being a Christian, sometimes it's easier not to say anything because we don't want to deal with somebody else's comments. I, at, at the gym, I have conversations with people all the time. There are guys that, that just say, you know what? I just don't mention politics anymore. And I don't mention sports anymore because I'm tired of arguing about everything. I'm just tired of the arguments. And more and more, I'm finding people that say those kind of things. And that even extends to Christianity, to Christians. I'm just tired of the backlash. I'm just tired of of people coming at me and always challenging me and always questioning me and always trying to put me on the spot and, and always trying to minimize my feelings. That is, a, if I could just make a social comment, commentary, we've gotten to that point in our society, haven't we? Where we minimize everybody else's opinion because we think it's a competition. I have to win this. Listen, you're never going to a win. Let me just make this real clear. You are never going to win the battle of my opinion. Does that make sense? You're never going to win the battle of my opinion. On, on Facebook, uh, the, uh, I'm part of a, um, a group, uh, what's it called? It's a baseball um, group, the Flock, the Major League MLB Flock, right? And somebody put on there yesterday, baseball starts on Thursday, Opening day should be a national holiday. Uh, who's your, what, what's your pick for the World Series? And I'll be honest, I try to be very, um, I, try to, I try to take an honest opinion, an honest look at it, and, and be honest. Brian, right? right? But for the American League, I... I Pick the Yankees. I think the Yankees' offense is really strong. Okay? For the National League, guess who? <laughs> right? Of course. Of course. Of course. And you know what? You can make all the arguments you want for the Phillies because they got Bryce Harper. So what? We said no, Bryce. We don't want you in L.A. Right? Anyway, you can make the argument for the Brewers. You can make the argument for the Mets, and that's a really funny one. You can, you can make an argument for anybody you want in the National League, but I'm telling you, you're not going to change my opinion. Dodgers are going back to the World Series, and we're going to win it this time. Okay? So you're not, my point is you're not going to win the battle for my opinion. And there are those conversations and those discussions that just are a waste of time. But when we're talking about our faith, we're not talking about opinion. We're not talking about um, 
our take on something. We're talking about the hope that Jesus has given us and that we are called to share with other people. It can be intimidating, no doubt about it. But it's something we have to learn to become comfortable with. The goal of a Christian in, the walk, in, in your walk with Jesus Christ is that your life and your faith weave together into be, becoming a fabric of one. So that your life and your faith are just one way of living. You don't have, my, you don't have your church life and your work life. You are a Christian constantly. That's the goal of faith. Now, there's some questions and concerns about transparency. Because people ask this. And I think they're valid questions. So I want to answer, I'm going to put some questions out there first, and then we'll try to give some answers to them. One question I get a lot of times is, why would God want me to be transparent with others? And I'm not talking about why would God want, why does God want transparency? I want that to be personal. Why does God want me to be transparent? Me. Who am I? Right? Who am I? Why would God want me I understand, Pastor John, if he wants you to be transparent because you're the pastor. And that's a, no, 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 no. You don't get out of it that easy. Okay? Uh, over here we have Brian, raise your hand. Debbie, raise your hand. I've known Brian and Debbie for at least a week, right? <laughs> Brian and Debbie, we, uh, we, we ministered together at, it's LifePoint now, but Tabernacle Baptist in Chicopee. In fact, Brian, did you have the pleasure of having Zach in Awana's? Yes. I did. And he comes to my church. That's the amazing thing, okay? Brian, we go way back. Brian, our our church had two softball teams. Brian coached one, I coached the other. It was brotherly love every time we played those games, right? Talk about your blood feuds. Oh, my goodness. Um, I've, I've, I've known Brian. I've known Debbie. And when it comes to knowing them, when it comes to talking with Brian... It goes beyond just a surface conversation. Brian and I can be very honest with each other. We can be very open with each other. We can talk to each other because we know each other. We want, if we're going to get anything of value done in our relationship, it has to be open and transparent, right? We have to be willing to talk. Well, you know what? Jesus wants you to get something done in the relationships with the people that don't know him as their savior. You to get things done. Brian and I have a lot of things in common. We love baseball. We love football. In fact, we're, I'm a Rams fan and he's a Seahawks fan. How in the world did we become those fans living in Massachusetts? I'll never know. But we love it. We, we have those things in common. And those automatically break down some barriers so that we can get to the heart of some things and really help each other in our lives grow and be transparent because we can help each other. That's why God wants you to be transparent. That's why God wants you to open up to other people. Because you have something they need. Why would God want you to be transparent? Because you have a purpose in God's kingdom. Each and every one of you. Think about it. Think about all the people that our church comes into contact with throughout the week. When they come into your business, when they come in to get the haircut. I have no idea what that's like anymore. But whether you go to do work on their house or work on their vehicles, or you meet them in the store, or you wait on them at a restaurant, whatever it is, our church, the people of our church come into contact, contact literally with thousands of people every week. There's a reason for that. And there's, there's possibility in that. And God wants you to become willing to be transparent with your life because there are people that you can connect with. Just like I connect with Brian over, uh, over certain things. Just like I connect with Mike over our military past and our religious past. Um, you connect with people out there. You need to learn to become comfortable with opening up to somebody else. That needs Jesus. So why would God want you to be transparent with it? The second one is this. Doesn't putting my past, and this is a big one, okay? Doesn't putting my past in the past mean that I'm done with it? To a degree, yes, absolutely. 
Putting your past, it's forgiven, it's gone, it's over with. But, but make a distinction between your past and your experiences. Does that make sense? Your past, let, let's make it sound like this. Let, let's say it this way. Your past is like, your past can be an anchor that holds you back. Okay, that you drag along with you. Oh, I, you have no idea what I did. You have no idea what's been done to me. And really, that's the hardest thing for most of us to get over, right? What people did to us. Because it just holds us back. So your past can be an anchor. But if you, let your pa- if you leave your past in the past, but remember the experiences and the lessons you learn from them, man, now, now you can be an aid and a help and a teacher to somebody else. Because if you are able to get, be, get beyond the experiences of your past, the hurt and the pain of your past, and allow that to simply be part of what your story is, then you can then use your story to reach other people who have had the same experiences. Third one is, how can admitting my weaknesses, struggles, and doubt help anyone to put their trust in Jesus. My favorite Christian author is Philip Yancey. He, uh, he's written The Jesus I Never Knew, Where is God When It Hurts, uh, What's So Amazing About Grace. He's written a lot of books. Um, his religious past is, is a lot like mine. Um, and he had a lot of questions. And he had a lot of doubts. In fact, he wrote the book, The Jesus I Never Knew, because of the doubts he had. As he grew up and became an adult, he started looking back on some of the things he had taught and learned. He was taught and learned. And he started having a lot of questions. So he started doing some investigations in the book, The Jesus I Never Knew, came from that. And he's he's brought in when there's a terrible, terrible... um, side effect of being an author like that, when there are great tragedies or mass shootings, he's brought in to, uh, to speak to the families and to speak to survivors because he has such great insight in these things. One of the reasons I love his writing so much is because he's so honest about his struggles, even his struggles with faith. He's so honest about the doubts he has had in the past. And he had the courage to investigate. Too many times. Remember last week I said we all wear a facade? I I saw in the congregation a visible response to that. When I said we all wear a facade, some of you kind of sat up a little bit straighter in your seat. You took a little offense to that. Right? You be honest with me. Listen, I'm going to be honest with you. I would be straightforward with you. You could be absolutely honest with me. Because I take offense to that too. But it's true. We all at some point in our life will mask over what we're really feeling. And what we're really thinking. And if we're not careful, we will begin to live a facade or a fake persona, a fake life in front of other people. And that will will begin to become who we are. The danger of that as a, as a Christian is that you now walk around as a slogan. You walk around as a catchphrase. Christians aren't perfect. We're just forgiven. Now, you know what? Christians are broken people, man. Christians are broken people and we struggle and we struggle and we fight. Christian marriages, you know what? Christian marriages are not lollipops and roses and heart-shaped candy boxes every day, are they? Christian marriages are struggles, are battles, are fights, are I can't stand you, I want to get out of your sight. Right? Come on, man. Let's be honest. You need to go somewhere right now before I kill you in your sleep. And cover it over as a shaving accident. Right? Come on now, right? Sunday morning can be a hellacious time in your house, but you walk in those front doors of the church and everybody's happy and everybody's getting coffee and everybody's getting chocolate crispy. Yeah, not everybody. (laughs) 
getting chocolate chip muffin cake, some kind of bread, banana. whatever banana bread, whatever it is that Danielle made this morning, right? Man, we, that, listen, I'm not saying you bring your fight into the church. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is that when you come into church, you may put a smile on your face, but you let God see the hurt in your heart. And you might need to pull somebody aside and say, hey, can we pray right now? Can I, can I have a couple minutes of your time? Because I am really struggling. And the more you become, are able to become transparent and share your struggles with your brothers and sisters in Christ, the more it prepares you to be able to talk with somebody else about their struggles in life. Because God wants you to learn how to overcome your struggles, but not forget how you got where you're at. Because other people need to come along behind you. Listen, don't ever tell me that you are too far gone to be a witness. Don't ever, listen, don't ever tell me that you don't deserve one last chance. One more chance, not one last chance, one more chance. Shame, fear, and self are three intimidating influences that Satan will use to keep you quiet. Shame, fear, and self are three intimidating influences that Satan will use to keep you quiet. Don't let him be successful with them. Don't let him use your shame. Listen, we all have a past. I have a past, all right? My past, if it, if it applies and I can talk about it and it can help somebody out, then I'll share it. Some of it, quite honestly, is nobody's business. If you want to just come and ask about my past just because you want to know, too bad the store is closed today. I'm not going to brag about my past. I'm not going to brag about it. I'm not going to glorify things that I may or may, may not have done or, or uh, things that um, were wrong that I had to ask forgiveness for. But if my past and my experiences and the lessons I learned from mistakes I made or victories I had, not, not our, listen, not all of our past is bad, right? Some of our past is very successful. And if we can share the successes of our life with others, then we're going to help them learn how to be successful. There's no sense in making the same mistakes somebody else has. When, when, when pastoring a church comes along, I'm not the first cat that's walked this road. If I think I'm going to reinvent the pastorate, then I'm, first of all, pretty arrogant, and secondly, kind of stupid. I need to learn lessons from those who have walked this way. And there are people that are going to come along behind you. Mary and Jonathan, she said it today, so I will say it today. You know, they're having twins, okay? Good for you. <laughs> I hope they're boys. Two little boys. Yes. And if you think, if you think you're out of breath now, <laughs> yes, I love it. <sighs> Jimmy and Jess and Aaron and I had the same conversation last year when they had their twins. It's, a diff it, it's fun. It's just fun. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, you know, seriously, there are, there are different strategies and different ways of approaching parenting twins as opposed to parenting one child or even different age childs, childs, children. <laughs> and there's also ways to learn how to speak English properly. Right? <laughs> okay? But we should never be afraid to share our, we should never be afraid or, or too ashamed of sharing the experiences we've had and the lessons we've learned simply because of fear or shame. We need to learn, own, and apply what the Bible says about our personal issues. Psalm 107 verses 1 and 2 say, Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord proclaim that he has redeemed them from the power of the foe. That's the secret, man. That's the secret to being transparent. You didn't overcome this stuff through the power of your own mind and through the power of your own spirit. You overcame the struggles of life and the difficulties of life through the blood of the Lamb. 
That's what gives us victory as Christians. The power of the blood of Jesus Christ. The power of his resurrection. The power of his seated at the right hand throne of God presence right now. Who is our mediator and intercessor when we have struggles. And yes, you're the one that actually physically has to go through them. But the strength and power to get there comes from Jesus Christ. Getting that strength and that power to overcome because of him. How do you say that to people? Yes, I did and sometimes still do struggle. I'm not perfect, man. I'm a broken person. And there are times when I still do struggle. But I have found a way to cope and overcome. It's not through deep breathing exercises. It's not through yoga class, that Hindu form of prayer. It's through the power of the blood of the Lamb of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to live that way. 2 Timothy 1 verses 8 and 9. So don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Instead, share in the suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God. He has saved us and called us with a holy calling and according to our works, but according, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. That brings us to our last point. I almost fell over there. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah, anyway. Number four. The fourth point in this message is this. Tell your story. Tell your story. Luke, 18, Luke, Luke chapter 8, verses 38 and 39. The man from whom the demons had departed begged him earnestly to be with him. This is the story of the maniac of Gadara. I always loved this story, but I was terrified of this story as a kid. Right? This guy, this dude, man... They bound him with, with new rope and chains and he broke them all. Man, this is a crazy man. He was the boogeyman. He was the guy that ran around in the tombs at night and howled at the moon, right? And when Jesus came to his town, he yelled and screamed. The demons inside him yelled and screamed, we don't want anything to do with you. And Jesus, remember the story? Oh man, Jesus cast the demons out. Loved this story as a kid in Sunday school. Jesus threw those demons out. And the demons said, don't make us go. Please let us go into the pigs. And he let him go into the, the herd of pigs. And those demons were so angry that they drove those pigs insane and they ran off a cliff into the ocean. And the Bible says that man was seated with Jesus eating lunch in his clothed and in his right mind. Hey man, have you had a transformation like that? Now you may not have been a psycho that howled at the moon in the, in the graveyard at night, but you may not have also been sweet poly purebred, right? And, and an upstanding citizen. You may have a past. You may have had a past. You may have done things that we're not upstanding citizenly, citizenly. But when Jesus came into your life and forgave you of your sins, all that went away. And you, like the maniac of Gadara, now sit with Jesus in your right mind. And this guy was so overwhelmed with the love and the grace of Jesus. It says, he begged earnestly to be with him. But Jesus sent him away and said, go back to your home. Listen to this, man. Go back to your home and tell all that God has done for you. Go back home and tell everybody what God has done for you. The change that has been brought about in your life. I like to talk about Sunday morning as being Sunday dinner. This is a time where we come together as a family and we feast on the word of God. We feast on our, our time of worship. We just, we come together as a family of God and we rejoice with each other and we fellowship with each other. But after, after dinner, we need to go out and declare to others the great things that God has done for us in our lives. 
We need to be able to and want to share with others what God has done for us. In John chapter 4, verses 28, I'm sorry, first of all, John chapter 9, verse 25, man had been healed, blind man had been healed. And they asked him, this man that healed you, is he a sinner? He answered, whether or not he's a, whether or not he's a sinner, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind and now I can see. You may not be able to theologically break down everything that happened to you at the moment of salvation. You may not be able to articulate the doctrines of soteriology or ecclesiology or homardiology. Those words may never come out of your mouth in the history of your life. But what you can do is tell people what happened to you. Man, I don't know. I can't explain it all. But I know this. Before I was going that way, and now I'm going that way. Before in my life, I had no hope. And I had even thought about ending my life before my time. But now, I have hope. And now, I have a purpose. And now, I have a plan in my life. And now, I have somebody who, when nobody else cares about me, when nobody else loves me, when everybody else turns against me, I have somebody that I can turn to. And I can pray, and I know through the faith that I've placed in him, that he listens to me. Man, I don't, know any, I don't know anything about what you're talking about, but I do know this. Yesterday I was blind. Today I can see. <clears throat> John 4, verses 28 and 29. Then the woman left her water jar, went into the town and told the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? The woman at the well, right? Such a, a woman with such a history, such a past, such a life and a story that everybody knew that she had to go and draw water at a time when nobody else was there. You talk about shame and fear. This woman's life was marked by it. Yet after she had her encounter with Jesus and once he forgave her for her sins and she put her trust and faith in him, she forgot what she went to the well for. Right? She forgot her purpose of going to the well. Bible says she left her water pot behind and went back and told everybody what Jesus had done for her. You have a story to tell. You need to get down to the business of telling it. All our stories are similar in ways that deal with how Jesus saved us, but where they differ is how Jesus found us. And where he brought us from. I do this once in a while. Ask people how many were, came to Christ as adults. And we have quite a few people that came to, came to know Christ as adults, right? I came to know Christ when I was like, I don't even think I was five years old. How we came to Christ and the way he saved us is very similar. I mean, it's all the same. We confessed our sins. He gave us forgiveness. He came into our heart. Boom. We are now born again Christians, right? But how he brought us from where we were, the road we took to get to where we are today, that's where things are different. As different as everybody else that's out there. And for every story that's in here that's different, there's at least one person out there that's different that needs to hear a different story. They may not, listen... You may, people say, oh, you know, I think it's pretty cool to be a pastor. I do too, except when it comes to being out in the real world. Because as soon as people hear, it, it, you know, being in the locker room at the gym, guys, guys are jerks, right? They're, I mean, the language in a locker room at a gym is ridiculous. Until they find out I'm a pastor. Oh, I'm sorry, pastor. Oh, Okay. Yeah, I never heard that in the army. You're right. Army, army guys, we are the, we have the purest language. Yeah. Oh, the 12 years I worked the loading docks in the trucking industry, never heard a foul word. Come on, man. And I'm not saying I love to hear people talk like, but with me, people feel like they have to put on a facade to be acceptable in my sight. No. That's where we need to be real to them and break down that barrier 
between us and them so that we can be honest and real. It's important to understand that each of our stories are different and unique so so that we can share them in different and unique ways. Your difference and uniqueness will be what someone else needs to hear to make their decision to follow Jesus. Armed with that information quickly this morning, armed with that information that your difference and your uniqueness in your story are important to at least one person and much more likely to many, many people. Here's some thoughts about how to make your personal story effective. I can't tell your story. I cannot tell your story. You can. And in order for your story to be effective, it must be personal. So let's get into these very quickly. First one is this. Make your story personal. Make your story personal. Be authentically you. My wife is a, is a very special lady, right? She's wonderful. She's beautiful. She's funny. She's quirky. I would not expect Aaron to all of a sudden become straight-laced and um, anything less than Aaron <laughs> when she talked to somebody, right? She will, it, she's, she's her. She's her. And when she's going to talk to somebody about her faith, that person should probably have a coffee and be ready to drink it because she's not, that, that person's not going to get a lot of words in edgewise. And that person is going to hear the real story of a trophy of the grace of Jesus Christ in a very uniquely Aaron way. For those of you who have talked to her, you know exactly what I'm talking about. When you want to, if if somebody wants to talk to me about my faith, I got to be honest with you. They're probably going to hear something about the Dodgers in that conversation. I'm still in the marks here. Probably. I will, I will invent ways to make a spiritual application of Dodgers baseball. It's just the way, that's, I'm just, that's just me. See, we're all unique in different ways. And we need to be authentically us. One of the things that I tell people when they, when they start coming to the church, if we have that conversation, uh, I'll tell people, I've told many of you, the guy that's in the pulpit on Sunday, my goal is the guy that you you hear in the pulpit on Sunday is the same guy you'll see at Panera Bread on Monday. He's the same guy you'll see at the gym on Tuesday. Same guy you'll see at my boys' baseball game on Thursday. Or at, well, you won't see me at the PTA. It's pretty much a guarantee, okay? I want to be authentically John Chase, the one for whom Jesus died and for whom people need to see and understand that even though I am broken and even though I have struggles and victories, I am the same person all the time. I'm authentically me. Get to know your story. Trace your path to Jesus. Here's something practical. Write it out. Sit down and write it out. And then I would, I would challenge you this. This is a little more pr- of a practical step as well. Find someone that you can trust and tell them your story. Find someone in the church and just say, hey, hey can I have an hour or two of your time? I just want to sit down and I want to tell you my story. It's a great way to, to break the ice if it's the first time you've ever told it. To tell it in a, in a place of safety with someone who's not going to look at you like you've got seven heads. And a way to just get it out. I remember when uh, Laura and Jose first started coming to church. Man, after Wednesday nights, how long do you guys stay here? We stayed here for an hour or two sometime for the first few weeks. Just, they were just telling us our story. Telling us their story. And it was awesome. I got to know them. And, and Jose and I, we go on bike rides now. We go out to, to um, Northampton or, or we go to East Hampton. We ride that 26-mile path, man, on the bikes. And we just talk and and I love, I love listening to Jose talk and tell me his story. Very interesting dude. But you need to find somebody that you, have, you feel safe with to tell your story and practice your story. It, it is practice because you need to be familiar with it. Write it down and, and find somebody you can share it with. 
Second thing I would challenge you with is this. Make your story practical. Be honest. Humanize the infinite. What do I mean by that? When we come into church, it seems to be very religious. When people think of church, it's a very religious thing. And we think of the uh, liturgical nature of being in church and the traditions of our childhood, right? It's not really humanist. It's not really a human place. It doesn't really come down to being practical and human. It's not really something that I can take with me out there tomorrow. So when you tell your story, humanize the infinite. Be practical about what your faith does for you in your life. How your faith, how did I get to this point, man? What brought me to a place where I actually had to seek Jesus Christ? Where it really mattered for me. Some of you might have been around rock bottom, right? You don't have to get into the whole details of your life and, and how horrible you were. Yeah, I was, at the, I was at the lowest point in my life. And the only thing I could do was look up. And when I looked up, I saw Jesus. Gave my life to him, followed him, and man, everything's changed since then. Make it practical. Remember this. Many people don't know anyone that is positive that they'll go to heaven when they die or that claims a personal relationship with Jesus. You know that? Many people that you meet every day of your life in this area, they don't know anybody who's positive they're going to go to heaven when they die and it claims to have a real personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We have a lot of people in our area that, are, that fall into that category. Let them meet you. Let them meet you. I'm a normal person. My boys go to a normal public school. I have a normal marriage with a normal wife. We have four abnormal dogs. We live in a normal, small town in America. I just claim faith in Jesus Christ. And I'm just positive that when I die, I'll be in heaven for eternity. Glad to meet you. Humanize the infinite. Use language those outside of Jesus can understand. I wouldn't go to them and say, hey, I'm humanizing the infinite right now. Let me tell you my story. Right? Use language they can understand. Tell them how it has changed your life. The positive changes that make you a better you and the struggles that you've had to endure. Number three, make your story sensible. Be thoughtful and tactful. And please, 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 Christian, be non-dramatic. Leave the drama somewhere else. Leave the drama for the theater. Please, Christian, can we get rid of the drama? <laughs> drama, drama, drama. Let's leave the drama out of it. You can be thoughtful and tactical and non-dramatic. Overbearing and oversharing are not effective ways of reaching others. Being overbearing and being oversharing are not effective. And that includes social media. It includes social media. Be very careful of how you share your faith in social media. Be very careful. I'm not talking about, don't, I'm not saying don't share your faith. I'm saying be very careful. Do you realize if you go home and write something on Facebook about the horrible experience you had and the person that that just, just ground, your, uh, ground your grain today at church. Do you realize what that's going to do with every, to everybody who reads your Facebook feed? You know what you should do with that person who annoys you to no end at church today? Go home and pray about it. Talk to God about it. Say, God, boy, that wasn't fun. It annoyed me to no end. What can I do to be better and handle it better? And how can I help that person not annoy me anymore? <laughs> Be very careful of how you share your faith in the social media realm. We have the most effective way of us reaching our community right now 
is through Facebook. The most destructive way that is possible for us to turn off our community is through Facebook. And let me give you a personal, a transparent understanding of, of what I'm talking about. Um, the town of East Longmeadow is hosting an egg hunt the same day we're doing our Easter egg hunt. Now, it's not about competition. Don't get me wrong. As a Christian and as a pastor in this community, you may think I'm way off base. You may think I'm completely wrong. That's right. You, but you're not going to argue and change my opinion. The town has no business hosting a traditionally Christian event. What are you, and you say, well, I think that's a good... Well, what are you going to do for Ramadan? Well, I want, my, I want my kids to be able to... I want, I want to be able to have a prayer before the football games. Okay, who's going to pray? Who's going to pray? Are we going to have the, the Muslim imam come up? How about the Baha'i faith? You see, there's a reason why our founders separated church and state. And I'm all for it. And that includes our town hosting an Easter egg hunt. I'm against it. Okay, I'll just put it out there. I'm against it. I don't think the town has any business. It's not a national holiday. It's a religious celebration. It's not a celebration of spring. It's a religious celebration. Well, what do eggs have to do? Do you really want to know the history? I'll save that for Easter because I got a whole bunch of history to share with you about how Easter egg, eggs have Eggs have been with the church and, a, and a, a picture of the church and even egg rolls. Did you know that an egg roll, I'll give you a little bit. Did you know that an egg roll goes back almost 500 years in religious faith? And the egg roll is symbolic of rolling away the stone. Okay. You know who the, the, the first recorded church man was? To, you, know, you know who the first recorded church man was that had an Easter egg hunt in his church? God, you might have heard of him before. Martin Luther. Yeah, yeah. So don't tell me that this is a secular event. It's not. It's a religious event. Now, say all that to say this. I decided to go on Facebook, unadvisedly so, on the East Longmeadow, website, East Longmeadow site page and put on there, wow. Wow. Not one positive comment. I was, I was accused of not wanting children to have any fun. I was told I need to leave East Long Meadow. I was told I'm afraid of competition. Like, I don't compete for your, with your Easter egg hunt. We're not making money off this. And the best one was this. And it was said by many people. You need to leave religion out of it. Okay, I'm not going to... Wait, wait, let me read that again. I need to leave religion out of Easter? Well, now we got a problem. Now, now I see where the problem... Now, I didn't fight anybody. I didn't respond back. You know what I did? I took the post down. Because at that point, it was becoming incredibly negative. Not to me. I don't really care what people's opinion of me is half the time of, about if, if I'm steady in my, in my belief, that's where I'm going to be. But it was becoming incredibly negative to this church's name and to the cause of Jesus Christ. So at my age, I figured I had learned a lesson, take it down. I was then confronted, no lie, man, I was confronted at the gym <laughs> by a woman in her 80s. I was on the bench doing my, my bench press and she came over to me and I wear, the, I wear the, the Beats, big Mickey Mouse ears so that people will leave me alone so I could just work out. She came over and stood in front of me and waited and we've, I, I, we've talked before. So I took my headphones off and she looked at me and she says, John, say it isn't so. It's like, I don't know. What happened? Did Hawaii just sink? I have no idea. What are you talking about? She said, say it isn't so. I said, what? She said, you don't want our children to have an Easter egg hunt? Now, now, face to face, I was able to have a conversation. And I said, that's not it at all. 
I said, I just don't believe our town has any business. She said, well, I see the secular side. I said, with all due respect, ma'am, there is no secular side to Easter. Easter is a religious celebration. It's not a secular event. Well, you really believe that with, with Easter eggs? Let me tell you the history. So I was able to give her a lesson in faith. And by sharing the lesson of faith, I was sharing with her the gospel of Jesus Christ. And she said, well, I just, I just hate to see our town break the tradition that we've had for so many years. I said, do you really, un, do you understand this? The, the Easter egg hunt that's been in town for the last 15 years has been at my church. The town has never had an Easter egg hunt before. This would be, oh, really? The first, yes. Oh, oh, well, I see your point now. <laughs> I understand. You see, that was much more effective than a stupid post on Facebook, right? On a, a post on Facebook, I'm getting eviscerated and this church is getting a bad name. But one-on-one, -on -one, I can sit and I can have a conversation and I can share my faith in an open and honest way and be transparent. Listen, yes, I'm still against it. I don't think the town has any business. And it's not because I want everybody here because we can't take everybody. We can't have 5,000 people here. Where will they park? Right? I did say to this to her though, you know, ma'am, you want the town to be involved. They said, but we tried to have two or three of us churches tried to get together a few years ago and hold a town, uh, hold a, an Easter egg hunt for all the town. And we wanted to use either the, the town center field or the high school field. And you know what we were told? She said, what? I said, we were told that it's a religious event. So we're not allowed to use it. And even last year we had a, we had a, <clears throat> um, a driver and a van and we were going to shuttle people. Remember that? Those of you involved? And we wanted, we asked if we could use the high school parking lot because on Saturdays, the Saturday before Easter, there's really nobody parking there. And they said, no, you'd have to drive all the way to the center of town and use the public parking because it's a religious event. Said, so now do you see why I stand the way I do? Oh my goodness, I didn't. Much more effective. And that's what I'm talking about. You, know, you need to be effective. Leave the drama out of it and be careful of how you share these things. Overbearing and oversharing are not effective ways. <clears throat> don't brag or glorify your past, but don't be ashamed of the change that following Jesus has made in you. And lastly, tell your story fearlessly and confidently. Don't be scared, be bold. Listen, I am not ashamed of the fact, and I'm 100% honest about this, I am not ashamed of the fact that I'm spending eternity in heaven. Gabriel said to me this morning, Daddy, <coughs> I don't want to go to heaven. And I said, Gabriel, here in my 56-year-old mind, I'm not understanding what a 7-year-old saying to me. I said, Gabriel, of course you do. I said, heaven is a place of happiness and joy and and the alternative is, is going to hell. And hell is a place of, <coughs> of pain and torment. He says, well, Daddy, I, I don't want to die right now. Like, oh, okay, all right, all right, now, now stupid dad is now on board with it. I said, oh, yeah, Gabriel, I don't want to die either, okay? Don't be scared of what you believe. Don't be ashamed of what you believe. Be willing to share your faith boldly and confidently. And don't let others shake your faith in what you believe. Let me close it out with this. Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name. <clears throat> so that in the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. <clears throat> there will come a day when everybody will have to answer for their choice for or against Jesus Christ. Our job, our task, our calling as followers of Jesus is to give them the opportunity to know who Jesus is. Not in a theological way, in a personal and practical way. Christian, if I can challenge you with anything this year, it's this, get to know your story and be willing to share the power, the power of your story. I sit and I talk with some of you and I talk with, and you tell me about your life and you, you have no idea <coughs> the power of your story. It's amazing. If you 
can get with God and gain the courage and confidence to tell that story, oh man, <coughs> I'm sorry, people will come to know Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer? Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to be in your house. and Thank you for the, the uh, endurance of these people. We went a little long this morning. <coughs> and I thank you for their, uh, their willingness to go along. Lord, you've done so much for us, each of us individually. And you've brought us to places that uh, I know I could never imagine where you've brought me from in my life and where you brought me to. God, each of us has a story and you want us each to be able to tell that. God, would you give us a broken heart for people that are outside of faith. Give us a passion to share the truth of our story. Give us the courage to speak (laughs) as we go from here today. God, may we shine a light of love and hope to those who need it. May we go forward as worshipers, as missionaries. Bless us. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for this time today to be in your house together. In your name we pray. Amen.